Welcome to episode 53 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be discussing chapters 21 through 24 of FCE's The Shadow of Kyoshi. As always, there's a spoiler alert ahead for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and The Rise of Kyoshi. However, you are free from any spoilers regarding any Avatar Universe comic books because you haven't gotten to them yet. So, Andre, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. There's a processional of ambulances going by my window. I don't know if you can hear it, but... I can't hear it at all, so... I'm doing great. Um, We're trying out this new recording time. Uh, We used to record later in the evenings, and I am terrible with time management and always asked to reschedule. So now we're trying an early morning time, and Kayla deserves a purple heart for all the times that (laughs) I have had to reschedule. I can move around my schedule pretty easily. So, you know, I try to go with the flow on these kinds of things. And it's not that early, objectively. (laughs) Objectively. You get up at like 5 a.m., okay? (laughs) No, 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 no. Not anymore. Not anymore. That I I am done with that life. Sorry, 5.30. Uh, It's more like 6.30 for days when I want to go to the gym. It's not any better. (laughs) There's a difference. The sun's up at that time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you rise with the sun got it i rise. i rise with the sun and then collapse you know at 2 a.m on some nights firebender <laughs> at heart yeah <laughs> uh yeah so uh you know yeah most days i'm up at like seven eight o'clock but i'm not going to the gym so it's this is this is normal for me like we I'm lead very different lives it. kayla we lead very different clearly lives. this is the only thing clearly. we have comment no <laughs> <laughs> But I'm doing oh great. God. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm good. Uh, my voice is a little scratchy because I went to go to a concert last night, which I will talk about in my recommendations because it was a fucking awesome concert. Uh, so I might have screamed and sang off key. It was wonderful. Uh, so that's why my voice kind of sounds a little raspy today. Uh, you know, maybe I should do ASMR later. Just kidding. I don't think you want to hear this. <laughs> you heard my voice crack in the beginning of this episode. You don't want you, you don't want piece of this. Very mm. cool. Very cool. All right. So, I mean, we don't have any official asterisk news to talk about today. <laughs> um, hopefully that will change in the coming weeks. But let's just move on to our regular recap, starting with Chapter 21, Shapes of Life and Death. Okay. So after the disastrous events of the previous chapter, Kiyoshi and Jinpa return to the palace where the latter goes to tell Fire Lord Zoryu what happened with Chajin and Huazo while Kiyoshi falls asleep, weighed down by her decisions and the seemingly hopeless situation. Uh, yeah, things aren't looking so great. That's how we start every recap. It's like things aren't going so well, guys. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not going the best. Jinpa rouses her to tell her that an assembly is being requested and that Kiyoshi should be there. Um, in the assembly chamber filled with people of the Seiwan and Kyoso clans, Zoryu announces that they have captured Yun and they bring him out to confess to all of his crimes, including making the message in the Melanium fields and working with Lady Huazo. Uh, Kayla, I don't know about you, but as soon as I they was... said bring out Yun, I was like, that's not Yun. That's not yeah, gonna be I was Yun. like, I was kind of gagged at first. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, wait, that can't. Yeah, be. I was. That, I was that like, ain't right. Wait, what? Oh, that's not. The, the, not that, that, that ain't right. No, like, there's especially, no pop- especially no. in a story like this where you know they're building it and building it and building. It. I'm like, this is just this is just too easy. It's too easy. At first, Kiyoshi is like, oh, he that there's the evidence that I need. I <clears> guess I was right. Um, but then the Fire Lord declares that the Samwan family has betrayed the nation, and he orders all his loyal citizens to capture its members within the room. So, of course, chaos erupts, people break out into fights, and they're trying to, like, perform citizen arrests, um, and, like, capture any of the Samwans that are currently in the room. Kyoshi decides to pursue Zoryu and Yun as they make their way out of the room. Um, speaking of which, I forgot to mention earlier, but the way, uh, this, like, theater room was described is i was like oh is this the room that ozai and uh zuko had their agni kai the way it was described with like the stage coming out i was like oh is this yikes um but yeah so uh she goes through this like maze of tunnels and she's met with a handful of nobles uh who you know completely like just start attacking her and Kiyoshi unleashes a torrent of air, keeping the door at the end of the hall shut. So now she's controlling both of the only exits in the corridor. Within seconds, Kiyoshi has taken them all out. And this is really funny because we've made um, this specific comparison before. But in the trivia section to av- in the Avatar Wiki article, 
FCE apparently said in a virtual event last year that this scene during which Kiyoshi fights Zoryu's guards in a dark hallway was meant to be a reference to the scene in the movie Rogue One where Darth Vader slaughters rebel soldiers. And I'm glad that we're not the only ones making Darth Vader and Kiyoshi comparisons. Like the mm-hmm. actual author was like, yeah, I wanted to make a reference to that. Um, I love that. So yeah, I just thought it was funny. There is a, a really cool little bit here too where SE sort of describes how airbending in a in a like confined space is like a whole other element. And I thought it was really cool that that's like kind of what Kiyoshi went for in the specific context. Um, so she goes to try and free Yun before she realizes that he's a decoy and not actually her friend. The man is actually a farmer uh, who has promised uh, that the Fire Lord would pay all of his debts. His wife and children would be able to survive as long as he gave his life to the Fire Nation. Jesus. Yun's imposter adds that his death is necessary for preventing the war that the Seiyuan had been trying to start. Jesus. Um, I was like this part. I'm like, holy crap, this is horrible. This is, yeah, this is like, I mean, I feel like in these chapters, Zoryu takes a hard left turn but it's believable because things have gotten so bad so, so i mean quickly. as a like a political ruler like of course he would stoop to like these kinds of standards and we'll get more into it into the next chapter considering how bad things have gotten like you know desperate times desperate measures but not saying these things are right by any means but right. you know just wow like an innocent man stepping up to you know sacrifice himself like I don't know. This is just, it was just really heavy reading that. Like I, that was like difficult to like think about, like just, I had to pause for a second and think about that. Yeah. You know? And of course, I mean, he is uh, being like directly impacted by the, the failure of the crops. You know, that's why uh, I'm a, that's what it's implied at least that he, he's racked up so much debt because pre- presumably because it's like Zoryu's fault that he's not taking care of the nation. Um, mm-hmm. But like, that's just, that's just, it just proves how bad things have gotten in the Fire Nation to where people are like, the debts are so bad that people are like, yeah, I'll die if you promise to pay him off. Like, it's like, crazy, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's horrible. And we'll it's also get more into this in the next chapter, but I'm also just like, I mean, he doesn't actually have to die. I mean, unless they're planning like a public execution. They, they, they were. They could just be like, yeah, we killed him. But yeah. I guess that's not enough. He's thinking. Them. I mean, I think I think Zoryu said something about like they have to do, they have to make it, um, you know, like it has to be public. It has at this point with how big of a display, all the theatrics that he did mm-hmm. in that room. This is political theater happening here. Yeah, you know? that's true. That like he has to play the part, and he has to. The man, ha- you know, quote unquote, has to die and it's interesting you say that it's political theater because that speech literally takes place in a theater <laughs> and kiyoshi even like notices like wow i've never se- you know just like zoryu seems to like have a complete new level of confidence um so yeah it's it's not great um and then uh to end the chapter kiyoshi just yells in frustration because everyone including this man considers his death the only way to stop the conflict and i didn't realize until I read it a couple of times that she was like also yelling in frustration because this is exactly what Heron was doing, you know, like lit That's like right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh why is she having God. this kind of reaction? So I kept re- reading it, and reading. It. I was like, oh, it's because the Heron thing with the bait and the yun and the all of that. Yeah, um, and it's it, yeah, it really is like, and also you know, Chejin and Huaza, like that was her way of of um, ending the conflict as well. That very could have well let led to their deaths you know so to her it's like damn can i not find a solution where someone like everyone lives you know yeah but yeah i think it's it's just like a culmination of all these like emotions and things she's been dealing with blame her for just screaming like yeah there is just there's just some you know i mean i think everyone at some point in their lives has reached this has reached a point where they like all they can do is just scream you know, and like just whenever those like moments happen, like in books or movies, it's just so primal, you know, yeah. like especially when there's like, you know, uh, a woman character doing it. Yes. You know, yes. It's just something about it. It just makes it, I don't know, 
more impactful perhaps for me well because it, it layers her character more you know it's not just like Banff, Kiyoshi, like kicking ass and taking names. Like she has, we've talked about this the whole time we've been recapping this book. I mean, the level of insecurity and like just self doubt that Kiyoshi holds within herself is yeah. so relatable and it's mm-hmm. so interesting when you're like conflating that with someone being the avatar because you wouldn't think that being the avatar would come with that. But of course it does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, I just, go ahead. like the layers of nuance with her character as well, just like, um, a lot of like it's gotten better with movies and media and stuff like that when it comes to female characters but for a while the strong female character air quotes uh, never showed vulnerability it was always yeah. like this hard cold front and that's kind of how the fandom made Kiyoshi out to be before these books came out and kind of a little bit right now for those who haven't read the books yeah. Um, so it's having these vulnerable moments with these you know female characters that can kick butt but also like they have their own insecurities that we've talked about and it's like yeah yeah i think without without meaning to most of the fandom like girl bosses kiyoshi into oblivion a lot of the time yeah and i just i love that these books exist to prove that that's that's only a small part of kiyoshi's character like yes she is that but she also has a sense of humor, has a romantic life, has her own insecurities, has her own doubts, things she gets excited about, things she gets sad about, like, you know, a person, you know? So I, I'm really, really thankful, for, especially for this moment in the, in the chapter, um, yeah. as, as like, heartbreaking as it is. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she, she just, like, keeps screaming. She's letting out all of her hatred for herself in the world. And the decoy Yun shudders away while guards round the corner. And that's the end of chapter 21. Jeez. So let's move on to chapter 22, house cleaning. This is a really interesting chapter for me, and I can't wait to talk about it. Kiyoshi confronts Zoryu in the war room as the Fire Lord looks over a map of Mayinka Island, preparing to attack the Seowans. Kiyoshi interrogates him about the imposter, and Zoryu notes that both Yun and Jinju counseled him in, on the importance of a decoy. He continues and says that he plant he plans to round up and execute the remaining Seowans, justifying it by saying that getting rid of them is preferable and will result in much less casualties than all out war. So yeah, Jeez. so that's the plan. And I'm like, great. <laughs> so we're back to genocide. <laughs> yeah. We are back to mass massacre. Got it. Like, ooh, ooh. Like, uh, I mean, ooh. honestly, is this not exactly what Sozin did? Killing out the airbenders to prevent any, like, resistance against what he wanted to do. hmm You know? I mean, sure, it might be affecting less people, but it's still, like, um, you're talking about, like, like, completely taking out a clan out of the picture. Like, that's... <laughs> and also, like, who's to say all of them are guilty? Like, maybe some of them were empathetic or sympathetic to the Fire Lord, you know? And some of them, and maybe, and also, like, some of them maybe just simply weren't involved with this shady shit that was going on politically. Right. Like, where's the where's the due process? Where's the where's the trials? Um, God, I'm, it was just, it, it felt like a completely different character, you know? Because yeah. the Zoryu we met was, was, like Kiyoshi, insecure, which is why I think they they sort of lashed onto each other pretty early. Like they seem to trust each other pretty quickly. And I remember even saying like, Oh, I was expecting like Kiyoshi and the fire Lord to butt heads a lot. And now we've gotten to the point where we, we are butting heads with them. <laughs> well, so, I think butting heads is putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, Kiyoshi points out that if Yun returns, these, this entire plan will unfurl. Uh, to which Zori replies that if anything, he's only bought Kiyoshi more time to find him. So yeah, he is planning an execution uh, for this guy to prove, you know, that we found the culprit, you know, he's he's done for. And Kiyoshi points out that, yeah, if the actual Yen returns, what are you going to do? Um, and then it's when he says that he's only bought her more time to find him, she realizes, oh, just because Jinju is dead does not mean he's the only person like that. They're, the world, I think this is what the book said, the world is full of other Jinjus and that she will never be able to wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. And there's that shadow thing coming out again. Like the shadow of Kiyoshi is not only her own shadow, but the shadow that Jinju has left behind because mm-hmm. it seems like she cannot escape this corruption. She can't escape the lies and the, the fear mongering and the power, you know? And 
She like attempts to bargain and demands that the Seiwans and Yun's imposter be spared, but Zori just flat out refuses. And he says that both of them need to be eliminated for the good of the Fire Nation. And uh, it's just like, so we're <laughs> so we're justifying like massacres because we're preventing more massacres. Like, why yeah. don't we try to find a way to like make sure no one is massacred? Like again, like the guilt by it's association like, thing. Like it's so Fire Nation to me, mm-hmm. but it's just like, come on, you know. I thought this. I thought you were different. We were rooting mm-hmm. for you. We were all rooting we're for all you. Rooting for you. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. Were you gonna say something, Kayla? No, I was just say that. Just yeah. I mean, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. So here is possibly my favorite moment. This is the most metal of the like, book. <laughs> besides the Yang Chen isn't here, I am thing. Yeah. This is probably one of the most metal quotes of the entire book. I not only love this because it's me- like what you said. I, I, but it's it's so much more than that. So. Kiyoshi is like is like completely incensed, frustrated by this. So she strides up to this man and holds one of her fans against his throat, and he and she says this quote. And I, when I tell you, like I had chills reading this. I was like, oh, "This is so good," for many reasons. So many reasons. So she says, "Let me make myself perfectly clear. You live on top of what I control. Your islands are surrounded by my waves. You fill your very lungs at my discretion." So if I hear any news about Yun being executed, you will truly learn what it's like when the spirits forsake you in the face of the elements. And I was like, I've never read read a better, better bit of dialogue than right here. I got chills like three different times just listening to this, reading that and listening to it, just imagining that. It's (laughs) it's I want to see it in animation so bad. Um, I want to I hear this with Kiyoshi's voice actor and everything. Yes, yes. Like, I, it's so... Give us a Kiyoshi series, damn it. <laughs> yes, please. It's it's so good. And for a moment, for a singular moment, Zoryu seems scared. But then he remembers, oh yeah, I'm actually the Fire Lord. So she's bluffing. Like, this doesn't affect me. And it's like, this. while this was such a great line for Kiyoshi, it's almost like, this like you know Dao face side of her like take names kick ass whatever is like almost a crutch to her because it's almost like she's run out of other options she tries to bargain first he's not mm-hmm. listening so she's like okay now I'm going to intimidate and threaten right and even mm-hmm. that is not working and so it's like it it puts Kiyoshi in this weird situation where she has no cards left to play other than going along with what this man is saying and I just think it's so interesting. Like the dynamic between these two right now is just is so engaging to me. Um, uh, Zoryu continues and points out that Kiyoshi fails to face the fact that Yun is doing all of this not just because of him, but also because of Kiyoshi and Rangi. That in Yun's eyes, Yun hates Zoryu for ruling his country without him. He hates Rangi because Heiron loves her unconditionally, and she hate and he hates Kiyoshi because she is the Avatar, and he is unable to accept that he is not. Because to him, Kiyoshi stole that from him. And I remember us talking about this a couple episodes ago, trying to figure out what Yun's motivation was. And I think one of us posited that he he seems to think that while it's illogical, he seems to think that Kiyoshi stole like his avatarhood from him. I mean, and it's interesting to hear Zoryu say this. Like, you have to face the fact that he is like beyond he's pissed gone. At, he's he's pissed at you. He's pissed, and he's like beyond help at this point. Yeah. And I also want to point out that, like, this thing that I've worked on in therapy, not that I've had the same issues that Yun has, um, but, like, there's, we all know the logic. We all, uh, we all, most of, at least, you know, most humans, I hope, have some sort of logical side where it's like, you know, I can see why things happened the way they did, but your emotions scream no. That, like, yeah. this isn't fair, this shouldn't have happened, like. So it's just, it's like this constant struggle that I face, but especially when I'm talking in therapy about it, it's like, I know this was the right way to go about things, but everything about me feels horrible about this, you know, in certain situations. So, yeah, you know, the head versus the heart kind of thing that's going on here, no matter how we understand, like, okay, Kiyoshi's the avatar yet is not, but, you know, someone who's been raised up to believe that he was and trained and did all of those horrible, like learned like those horrible skill sets, you know, and did 
torturous training, you know, all of that for nothing. Yeah. That's enough to break anybody. Of course. Absolutely. I mean, it was finding out that he wasn't the avatar is a traumatic event for him because that was the basis of his identity. Like you said, he went, he underwent the the poison training. Like Jinju was very hardcore with his training. Same thing with uh, Heron. Same thing with Heron. Like he had all this responsibility. He learned all these things, liaised with all of these world leaders. And for what? Be sacrificed, to be tossed aside. He was tossed aside. He was tossed aside. Exactly. And when Literally you lose your life's pur- purpose like that, of course you're going to find people to blame. And he's found many people, not just one, to blame, you know? And even though he, I'm sure Yun logically knows that Kiyoshi did not steal anything from him, but the rage that he feels is is clouding that logic. Like, exactly. we, like you said, we can, like, logically think out our emotions all we want, but if we're still feeling it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Exactly. So, I, exactly. again, and I think this is interesting coming from, from Zoryu, who is... More, he was like not. He's not as involved as with Yun was as like for like Heron, for example, you know. Um, and I think it's interesting hearing it from an outside party, even though he didn't know Yun, he didn't really know the relationship between him and Kiyoshi. Exactly. And and Kiyoshi, you know, even admits that there's no way of proving him wrong other than her faith that she just knew Yun better, you know. So yeah. it's a really hard place for her to be put. I mean, like, get this girl a break. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and especially with what happens in the next chapter and what we, with the revelation that comes in the next section of this recap, like, it just makes us all the more painful. Yes. Perfectly nice teaser. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break. We will be right back after this. Hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. And we're back with more Shadow of Kiyoshi. Uh, this is the part of the show where shit hits the fan even more. It's always, it's always what happens. Like second part, always just yes. like, oh crap, here we go. Cliffhanger, everything. So buckle in folks. Yeah. Kayla has been taking the emotional brunt of the recap. <laughs> <laughs> I get like the, the, all these, like, like, especially with like, with how much detail and how much important thing, how many important things happen. And especially in that last chat, the last chapters, I'm just like, crap, it's a lot of notes. I hope it don't bore people. So. And with that, let's get started. So uh, Kiyoshi essentially asks for a ship. She has, she knows what she needs to do next. And she goes to the harbor and notices that the festival has been completely forgotten after the whole say, fake Seowon conspiracy was revealed. She no- reads a ship called the Suwon Smile. As she boards, she pretends to not notice a crew shaping off the, you know, scraping off the Carmelia designs off of another ship. Um, and they sail off where she notices and then until she notices a dark patch in the waves and orders the captain to not go after her under any circumstances. She proceeds to jump off the ship and swims towards this dark patch in the waves, which is the remains of Yang Chen's island. And she uses her water bending to dive deeper, but starts to drown as she runs out of air. She mentally calls out for Kirk as she loses consciousness. She's like, you know, dude, you better show up right now or I'm going to haunt your ass in the spirit world. Like, it's essentially what she says, and it works. She wakes up and she hears Kirk's voice and finds there in a spirit a field in the spirit world. Uh, Kirk smiles at her and says that he's been trying to reach her for some time, but this avatar connection needs to have both parties consenting to it in order for it to work. Uh, Kiyoshi then asks what he wants, and he says that he knows how to handle the young father glowworm situation. So really, he didn't have something for her to do. He needed her to just like. Be okay with connecting so yeah that's the that's the one loophole that has been or whatever like the you know it's the one the question we had the question that we've yes. had like what does Kirk want and he just wants to help kiyoshi yeah um and after she asks him why there aren't any spirits around in the field they're at he says that they tend to stay away from him because he used to hunt them and then kiyoshi just remembers all of the things that people said about Kirk, like you know how he hunted spirits and things like that and just all just starts to bubble up now that she's here and can talk to him. And it's not just some random flash and vision. This is him in this spiritual flesh, I guess. Uh, and just all of that resentment and anger just 
bubbles up and boils over. He tries to tell her that the situation isn't what she thinks it is, but she just lets all of her anger out, saying that neither of them are worthy of Yang Chen's like legacy and they're both terrible avatars. As their anger rises, like we see in uh, you know, in Korra, the spirit world starts to change around them and essentially fall apart. The, you know, the earth starts to split open and just like, you know, exactly what we see in Korra. The spirit world changes based off of the avatar's emotions. Kurek tells Kiyoshi that she has every right to feel this way. And, uh, you know, just like, I mean, I was kind of surprised by how affirming he was with that, you know, just like yeah, how affirming he was of her feelings. Um, and eventually she kind of comes around and realizes that she doesn't have the right to lash out in this way and tries to get her feelings under control. And the earth starts, stops splitting apart. Um, you know, everything comes back together and Kirk tells her that he has something to show her. And then that gets into the next chapter with flashbacks. All right, <laughs> flashbacks. Let's go. Let's go. There's a lot of stuff that happens. So, you know, if you haven't buckled up yet. I you know, flashback so. is important when it's an avatar. <sighs> Very important. It's chapter 24, Lost Friends. We start off with Kirk entering the spirit world for the first time with Kelsong, but he has been separated from his friend. He lands in a swamp and gets attacked by one of the spirits before he can talk to it and try to defuse the situation. During the fight, their forms get crushed together and Kirk figures out the spirit is trying to attack the town that he was just at through a gap between the two worlds. He wakes up from traveling to the spirit world, just walks right past his friend. Kelsong's making fun conversation with spirits and everyone else is just like, what the fuck is going on? Kirk just runs off, grabs Kelsong's like glider and just flies off to go fight the spirit was this was co wasn't it um i don't know i the way it was described i thought it was co a spirit not one of kelsong's playful creatures but a monstrosity the size of a house gripping around with arms like spider limbs and bashing its featureless head yeah against the earth that's over co. and over again yeah that's co okay i didn't even think of that work so it's probably the first time that they faced off mm-hmm. per se Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Face Stealer trying to get into, uh, mm, mm, I see now. Yeah. And yeah, so he faces off against Ko and he succeeds, but at a cost to himself. His friends find him the next day foaming at the mouth. Um, as he heals, he finds that in destroying the spirit, there's a price to it. And he essentially is spiritually bleeding, per se. That the spirit is, you know, just being siphoned away, per se. And there's, no way to really fix the damage that's been done. He tries to tell his friends what's really happening, but he can't. And he makes up a story about how the fight went down. Um, you know, during his recovery, uh, a maid offers him a drink of wine, and it's the first time he's felt anything since this grotesque metamorphosis started for him. Um, you know, just drank to feel something, and he drinks more. And so begins his reputation of being a flirt and a drunk with his friends finding him the next day in bed with, I think, the maid. So I have you ever watched um, Haunting of Hill House? Nope. I've been meaning to, though. So this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, there's this character in there that reminded me of this. um, And essentially, she is like uh, an empath, but like on steroids where she can like touch somebody and feel their emotions. And there's one part in that. show where she does that but she like instead of touching somebody she touches like a dead body and the way like it's described how she feels is like very uh like similar to what's happening with Kirk like the spirit has like been like damaged that was just something it reminded me of but I mean in terms of the uh context of Avatar I think it's really interesting that uh even though the spirit world and the human world are so divided doing something like attacking a spirit like has that sort of effect on you is kind of insane honestly um and it's it's yeah it's like and this is where you like start to feel for Kirk. and i've been waiting for this moment the whole time we've been reading this book because like i just know there's got to be more to the story than there is yeah (laughs) and i think we our listeners have also kind of like hinted at like some sort of like redeeming qualities for Kirk. Uh, on like our social media and everything, so I've like been waiting for it. We did make a fandom corner kind of that was kind of making fun of Kirk, um, and we we did get I think at least one comment about it uh, yeah. saying like he's not all what the you know and yeah that was a joke. But here we go. We are dispelling the the reputation that Kirk has received in the fandom and in the world of Avatar. Um, so their adventures continue. 
with his friends. Um, and Kirk would always face the spirit attacks alone because he didn't want his friends to have to suffer the same fate as him. Um, after a nightmare on the visits, on a visit to the Fire Nation, Kirk visits the location of, you know, in, that he saw in his dream of the sacred water in uh, Mayinka Island, where another rift had opened. He faces off at the spirit after diving into the sacred water, and he, after Klee climbs out, he finds Nyahitha. Uh, sorry, uh, the part where you said that he dove into the sacred water, like, you know, desecrating it, I was thinking about, like, that thing from, like, Kung Fu Panda, where he's like, oh, we do not wash our pits in the pool of sacred tears. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. But he had a reason to jump into the sacred water, so yes. that's fine. He wasn't washing his pits. He was fighting a spirit. Mm. Anyway, so now he, he's met Nyahitha, who tells him that the elders of the Bonte tribe had sent him to help the Avatar. Um, and he's kind of like, Jesus, like, this is, this is the first, like, impression I get of the Avatar. He's desecrating a sacred pool. That's yeah. great. Great job, buddy. Um, anyway, so he takes him, Nyahitha then takes him to a jungle where he evaluates Kirk's condition and repairs what spiritual damage he could. I also want to point this is kind of cool that like the way Kirk describes, you know, the way Kirk, you know, feels it. It's like Nyahitha heals him by moving the heat through his body, like how uh, a waterbender healer would move, you know, energy through different parts of the body as well. Yeah, we actually see that in Korra. Um... When That's she, right. When she washes up on that that beach in season two, and the fire the firebender sort of heals her with fire. The one everyone thinks is Azula, mm. the one, yeah. So it's really cool. You would never think that like fire could be used to heal, you know. But I guess it's like the same as like uh, Atuette, like how she like lowers the body temperature to like stave mm-hmm. off death. I like maybe this is something similar. There you go. Um. And so he tries to repair the spiritual damage that he can with his abilities, but there's only so much that he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him that each fight with the spirit will make this condition worse, and he's not going to live very long at this rate. Um, Kirk proceeds to joke about Nyahitha's bedside manner, but then throws up blood on his robes, so things are not good. <laughs> Ugh, yikes. Yeah. Kirk still doesn't tell his friends about what's, hap- what's really happening to him and what's really happening on these missions. But then he and Nyahitha go on their own missions to research the spirits, finding that, you know, these spirits are trying to force their ways through cracks between the spirit and human worlds and trying to get to the bottom of where these cracks were coming from and why. He then goes on the quest to fight these spirits in the spirit world to minimize collateral damage to humans, um, which, you know, he can't then. So that makes things difficult. Yeah. He told no one about these missions, though, because they would have been shunned for killing the spirits. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. He then starts drinking to numb the pain, uh, and he would often fall asleep during these official avatar meetings, leaving Jinju to deal with the ministers and diplomats, gaining more power. Um, and then Kirk would go and party because he would try to feel as human as possible while his spirit is literally bleeding and draining out. Yeah. And Nyahitha indulged him with it. I mean, you know, as a sage, you probably have to give up a lot of things. So that's kind of how it was described in the book. Um, but yeah, just. I don't know. Just like, ah, that sucks, man. Like, that's, that's, that's rough, buddy. It's like, that's not the best way I could use to describe it, but literally. Wow. He, at this point, he's barely noticing the team av- that his team avatar is splitting up and he even missed Heyron's wedding. He shows up and then like, they mentioned like him showing up at Kelsong's one night with the poem for Heyron, which is just a reflection of his grief for not saying anything sooner to her and to keep what was really you know, he's just, you know, grieving the fact that he never got to tell that he's not saying anything, like not telling her his true feelings and mm-hmm. that he's just been lying by omission to her about what's really happening. Should we uh, throw back and read that original poem? Sure. Let me pull it up here real quick. Yeah, because I would definitely change the a lot of the meaning for it now that we know the context with it. I've got two knives that are cast in bronze. They pierce all the way to the soul. They draw you in with the promise of sin like the moth to the flame to the coal. I've got hair like the starless night. It sticks to my lips when I smile. I'll wind it with yours and we'll drift off course in a ship touching hearts all the while. For the way I walk is a lantern lit that leads you into the night. I'll hold you close and love you the most until our end is in sight. And that's the poem of a dying man. Yeah. Uh, So... I didn't think I'd feel so bad for Kirk, but I do like mm-hmm. it. Let's let's finish the chapter and then we can reminisce on how we feel about Kirk after this. Yeah. 
Then Kirk eventually finds out what spirit is making these riffs. And big surprise, it's Father Glowworm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kirk learns the hard way that he shouldn't have shared names with this self-named spirit because names have power and essentially cursed himself with that. Uh, He and Father Glowworm face off and they've each left permanent damage on the other in the end. Uh, Neither of them, and this is from the book, neither of them would ever fully heal from the encounter. They would know each other in their bones forever like old friends. Which makes it very interesting with the whole young Kiyoshi thing, which we'll probably discuss later. Mm-hmm. Which then brings us back to Kiyoshi, who then asks Kurok why they were angry spirits during his time. To which she replies it's a story for another day and only showed her those memories that would help her deal with her situation. No, it's not a story for another day. We only have two books, Kurok. <laughs> exactly, sir. There's, sir. Oh my God. Sir. Avatar Studios, please follow up on this. I want to know. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, that would be a very depressing series, though, to watch. (laughs) But I'd watch it. I still, yeah, I still watch it. (laughs) I'd I'd still watch it. I just need to make sure that my, you know, my depressed, my antidepressants are up to date on that. But (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's interesting, though, that both Kirk and Korra had to deal with angry spirits. Like it's both waterbenders. Both waterbenders. Yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. Like both water avatars had to deal with angry spirits. I think that's interesting. So he only showed her the memories that he did to help that would be beneficial to what she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. She then asks him about the rest of his memories. She realizes she's asking, she's kind of prying a little bit, but yeah. let's face it, she's all of us in that moment. <laughs> like, uh, excuse me, telling you everything. I need to know everything about your backstory. Yeah. And Kirk kind of tenses up before replying that there's little to see after his friend split up. So he basically spent the rest of his life alone. <sighs> like, twist the knife, why don't you? Like, ooh, yeah, man. And I just found this quote very interesting as well. Uh, she kind of reflects also on like Jinju's death as well. And like death and time made everyone small, reduced them to trivialities. So I don't know, just a very heavy line right there too. Mm-hmm. Um, she then tells him that she's genuinely glad that she got to meet him and talk to him. And he says that there's one more thing that he needs to show her, but he's not sure if it's worth it because it might cause her pain. Kiyoshi's like, might as well. We're here anyway. They then travel through the spirit world to a drained dead swamp where there's a crack that leads into a gash with a pathway to the human world. Kiyoshi asks if Yun did this and Kurok conform- confirms it, saying that the spirit world reacts to the avatar of its emotions. It recovers, like in Kiyoshi's case, but in this case, it's not recovering from Yun's rage. Kiyoshi says that Yun isn't in his right mind because of Father Glowworm, but Kurok tells her no, because while many spirits possess humans or merge with them to give them new shapes and forms, but they cannot take over people's thoughts. So Yun has been in control this entire time. So Zoryu is right. Yeah, which is and that's which is uh, an assumption that I think we've both been working on in this recap. Like, oh, like, yeah, there's this rage, but like, like a good portion of it is fueled by Father Glow. And no, that's not no, the case. That's not. It's all Yun, you know? Yeah. And that kind of makes things like everyone else is right. He's he's doing this. It's, him. it's all him. Yeah. It's all Wanda. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> um, Kiyoshi then tries to say something to Kurok, but then seawater comes out of her mouth and she gets yanked back to the human world onto the boat where the crew has saved her against her wishes. Kiyoshi notices the connection she has with Yun because of Kurok and Father Glowworm's previous battle because, again, they both left scars on each other. Uh-huh. So if she tracks him using that connection, she'd find him like a torch in the dark, which is how he has been keeping track of her. And, mm. you know, there's like a little part at the end where he's, she's like, you know, kind of like joking with the caps, like, oh, how dare you go against the, av- you know, the Avatar's wishes. How, yeah. But that's it. That's essentially how the chapter ends. And now we're just like, fuck, because there's only four chapters. Like, like what? Four chapters yeah, left? Yeah, we only have one more recap left. Like, what, what's going to happen? There's so much that needs to happen before this is all resolved. What? Do you think she's going to have to kill Yun? I don't know. This is, this is difficult. I mean, especially considering the whole, like, how she is with Aang and, you know, I know we keep kind of bringing back to like Kiyoshi's talk to Aang about only justice will bring peace so yeah she's gonna have to do whatever ends up being the right thing to do in that moment you know learning to be decisive and own up to everything that she's done which she's kind of been doing but you know yeah just fully I just you know. I just don't at this point in the story I don't see 
like Yun coming to his senses or anything. No, I don't think so. Either. And I don't even think him being taken prisoner is a good option either. So I'm like, what is there left except for Kyoshi having to kill him? Yeah. So I don't. I think we're. Uh, I think we're in for another rough couple of chapters. But I, yeah, I don't know. Because if because if he dies, that that not only solves the spirit world problem, but it also solves like Zoryu's problem. So yeah. Well, who's ready for some emotional pain next week? <laughs> Me. Before Great. we go on to Fandom Corner, how do we knowing what we know now about Kurik? How do we feel about him now? I don't blame him for going out and partying. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when you're dealing with that much crap, you know, and that much pain, I mean, alcohol, it numbs, it's a depressant. So I don't blame him because, you know, that's how you will become alcoholics, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just, man, I knew there was something. Like, I was like, what made him like that? Or at least, I- I'm glad we got the answer. Yeah. But still, just like, man, that poor man. And then, of course, the reputation, people just constantly shitting on him for his actions and all that stuff. Well, yeah, now I understand why people vehemently defend him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's very he spent heartbreaking. The rest, he, he spent the last few years of his life in pain and alone. Yeah. Like. It's it's very it's very depressing. But yeah, just, just final thoughts on Kirk. I mean, I think it's... It's very interesting how in both of these books, he hasn't been giving been given like the best uh, reputation, and in even some instances, Kiyoshi flat out blames him for things happening, and it kind of I think this whole like flashback thing was not only for our benefit as like Avatar fans, but it also works to advance Kiyoshi's character, which is. All in all, how you like do like I mean, this flashback is like great fandom service. You know, it's like it's fan service, but it's it's not just that. It it makes sense within the story. It advances the plot. It advances Kiyoshi's character arc, and I think her, in in some ways, forgiving Kurik or at least understanding why he made those emotions is going to be the stepping stone to figuring out how to resolve this young problem, and realizing that, um while she isn't completely at fault for what's going on with Yun, she will take the responsibility of putting an end to it, you know, cause she like, there's it, no more suffering. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. So I think we're in for a very rough four chapters next week, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see, I'm not excited. I'm interested to see how this is all going to all going to wrap up. Oh. oh boy. So Phantom Corner. <laughs> On that note, let's switch thing. that's still on topic, but a little bit more fun, I guess. We're really trying, guys. Uh, so it's this, uh, it's from Tumblr. There's no, I don't see the artist credit on the picture that I found, but um, it's Kyo- it's a it's a fan art of Kiyoshi and Rangi. And it says, uh, Kelsong realized I was the avatar when I recited a love poem Kirk wrote for your mother. And Rangi's like, oh, I see. And then there's like a panel of them just like, in silence and all of a sudden like Rangi turns to Kiyoshi like wait what (laughs) (laughs) yeah a very weird thing to say huh yeah so I'm pretty sure that's how I imagine that conversation going down with like you know how did they figure out you were the avatar Kiyoshi oh my god yeah so yeah that that's fandom quarter for this week it's like it's short and sweet and a little bit of a lighter tone to you know kind of make up for all the depressing stuff we had to get through yes very much appreciated (laughs) hope you enjoyed that (laughs) (laughs) all right let's go over to recommendations uh kayla you've been keeping us in suspense to whatever concert you went to so who did you go see yeah, so at the time of this recording, I went to go see Kesha in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's why my voice is so scratchy, because I went to that concert and I was screaming, I was singing. It was just, I mean, singing horribly, so I feel bad for whoever was in my general vicinity recording the <laughs> concert on their phone, because I was not sounding very good. Uh, but oh my God, what a great show. I also just, uh, the, my recommendation for this week is just Kesha as a whole. If you Even if you haven't gotten the chance to see her in concert, which you totally should. Um, listen to her music. I mean, I know that she's, you know, TikTok and Blow and all those like popular songs. 
but I want you to listen to some of her newer stuff because I feel like even though she was super popular in the early 2010s and rightfully so, her music is really fun and it's great to jump around to. She is kind of like with her new music that I don't think a lot of people are, are listening to. Mm-hmm. She's kind of, she mixes in the dancey songs with these very vulnerable songs. I mean, Praying obviously is one of her best known new songs, but she's got plenty of other like amazing songs that just, I don't know, like just show this different side to her than the party girl. And there's nothing wrong with her party girl reputation because that whole concert was a fucking party and it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but her ballads are so underrated. Like her new ballads are just criminally underrated. Um, she, I mean, she can sing really well. And, you know, I just like how she has this dichotomy to her, like the two different sides of like, you know, the vulnerable kind of country stuff, a little bit of then a little bit of the rock and roll and club music. Like and that's how her concert was too. And honestly, like it's probably the closest I ever had to like a religious experience <laughs> where it was just like, you know, like, I don't know. It was just, just a great experience. So like, don't expect like, you know, out of this world vocals, but expect to have a great time and, you know, even get a little emotional. She sang praying last night and you could tell mm-hmm. that she was really, it, I think that song is like kind of hard to sing for her. Not just. Yeah vocally but just emotionally with like how much pain is in that song i love that song um, but just watching her sing that live like just it was just an, i mean just go for that alone honestly it's it's a mix of a great time you get to see like you know her backup dancers just you know dressed up in funny costumes you know during tiktok and all that stuff but just I don't know. It's so many emotions and she's just really underrated as an artist. So go check out her music and go get tickets to go see her in concert. They were, I got, I think I got mine for like maybe $50 and I was oh, able nice. to get really close to the front. Nice. So go, 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 go love Kesha, please. I need more people to talk about her and not just like her early 2010 stuff. I need to talk about some of her new stuff. Okay. Just go listen to Kesha. Love that. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, I just turned to a Kesha stand overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Rightfully so. Oh my god! So, what do you recommend for this week, Andre? Um, I found these really nice videos on YouTube. Um, they're kind of similar. If you if you ever had like the Yuletide fire log thing, like for Christmas or anything, Mm -hmm. it's just like a video of like a fire crackling. Um, it's kind of like that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are aware of these because they've been really popular, especially with like the pandemic and everything. But if you t- just type in like ambiance videos on YouTube, um, the, you'll get these like really great like like they're like some of them are like eight hours long, three hours long, ten hours long, and it's just like um, a picture of a certain setting, and it could literally have any sort of setting that you want. And it's uh, my favorite is. Um, like this f- cafe and it's like raining outside. And it's like uh, you can hear the rain falling. There's thunder. There's leaves falling outside the window. And it's just something to have on in the background, especially as as someone who like loved working in public spaces, pu- public spaces and haven't been able to do that for quite a long time. Those are great substitutes. They're also great to fall asleep to. Um, if you have trouble falling asleep, uh, it's, I'm sure there's like some science about it, like the sounds and the kind of sounds you're hearing as you fall asleep. Um, but they have all kinds. They they even have, uh, avatar ones. Um, if you type in like water tribe ambiance video, you can, it's just a picture of like the water tribe. They got like the Northern lights in the background. Some of them have music. Some of them don't. I prefer the ones that don't have music. Um, it's just, you know, hard for me to fall asleep and also distracting. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend those. They they got fall ones, they got Halloween ones. So of course, those have been on loop uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I would definitely go check that out. So like any any kind of setting you want, you just type in that setting, and then you just type in ambiance, and then you got all these different kinds of options on YouTube. So definitely check that out if you're looking for something to put on in the background as you work or just fall asleep too. Awesome. Yeah, and that ends our recommendations for the week. And of course, as always, if you'd like some extra Avatar Hour in your life, subscribe to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast for some amazing benefits, including access to our Google Docs, our ad-free Avatar Hour, and our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Uh, This week on our Patreon video, you get a tour of Andre's Halloween decorations he already has up in his room studio. So, (laughs) I mean, I think that's worth the price of admission, right? Absolutely. Um, 
And of course, if you want to stay up to date on what's next for Avatar Hour, you can follow us on Instagram at and on Facebook at the Avatar Hour Podcast and on Twitter at the at Avatar Hours. Don't put the the in there. It's just at Avatar Hour. Yes. Yes, and if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, uh, you can actually record your theories or any feedback about the show you have on the Voice Memo app on your phone, and you can email them over to theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com, and we will play them live on the show. Um, However, if you don't want to send any sort of voice memo, you can also just type any sort of feedback that you have, and if we think it's really cool or really interesting, we'll read it out on the show and uh, credit you. So, yeah. And of course, if you have any fandom corner stuff that you'd like to send us, you can email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com or DM us on any of our social media platforms. Yes. And we will share them on the show. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week with our final Shadow of Kiyoshi recap. Hmm? Hold on to your butt. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> Until then, I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.